Blog Talk Radio. I hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as tired as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. You built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Uh oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> <laughs> People seem to like me because I am polite and I'm rarely late. And now, the hosts of the Stupid Cancer Show, Lisa Bernhard and Matthew Zachary. Woohoo! Not that there's anything wrong with Monday, February 14th, happy Valentine's Day, and welcome to Season 8 of the Stupid Cancer Show, The Voice of Young Adults with Cancer. I am Matthew Zachary, a 15-year young adult survivor of pediatric brain cancer. And I'm Erin Eloise, a 3-year young adult survivor of breast cancer, and we are your hosts for the Stupid Cancer Show. Lisa Bernhardt is on vacation this week, and we'll be back next week. Alrighty, got cancer under 40? Sucks, huh? Well, get busy living because the Stupid Cancer Show is here to change the world one chemo infusion at a time. On tonight's show, we have in our Young Survivor Spotlight, Lindsay Gina, young adult survivor of stage four alveolar soft, <laughs> soft part sarcoma. We did rehearse this, right? Yes. <laughs> and Noreen Frazier, breast cancer survivor and co-creator, co-producer of Stand Up to Cancer, and founder of the Noreen Fraser Foundation. As a reminder, this broadcast is a production of the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation online at stupidcancer.com. We help young adults fight cancer every day and are bringing the cause of cancer under 40 to the national spotlight where it belongs because it's not okay that 70,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer every year. So hello, my friends, your friends, our friends, and welcome. Yet another fun-filled and exciting romp to the hay on tonight's Stupid Cancer Show, where remission is not a cure, and survivorship is all that matters. And a very stupid cancer welcome to all of our first-time listeners on the Blog Talk Radio Network and iTunes as we broadcast live from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. All right, if the Stupid Cancer Show, as you know, has a live interactive chat feed during each broadcast, and we invite you to join in the fun, connect with our friends, and ask questions of our guests. And we have some very special in-studio guests tonight, all the way from Australia. We love our international guests. I'd like to welcome Jay Allen and Clint Heal to the Super Cancer. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you very much. Welcome to you, too. Yeah, thanks for having us. I, I need to know what international bet you lost that brought you to my uh, my attention. We didn't lose any bet. We just want to, you know, come to New York and, and, and see our fellow cancer survivors, you know, and visit them and, and, see, and create awareness for melanoma. 
And, yeah, and melanoma being the number one cancer in young adults, I assume that's pretty much the same in Australia? Yeah, definitely in Australia. It's the uh, most common cancer for 15 to 39-year-olds. So, uh, yeah, it's one we're very passionate about getting the message about of. Is that because Sam Worthington is always shirtless? I think uh, all all young Australian uh, good-looking males and females uh, are usually wearing as little... Right, now, Wolverine guy, too. He doesn't make you look good either. No. Right, exactly. Now, I understand that you met each other through the I'm Too Young for This Cancer Foundation. That's right, yeah. Probably back uh, when when Jay was originally diagnosed, um, I found him on the uh, I2Y website, and uh, we we really started talking from then um, online, and then we uh, met up from there, and then... uh, we we find you here almost you know three or three or four years later, and are you guys survivors or advocates? Uh, we're both. We're both. Oh, that's um, the best kind. Yes. Yeah. When I I really feel that my sunbed use played a, a major part in my diagnosis. So I've just been advocating to try and ban them in in New South Wales and hopefully Australia. So I'm in sunbed. You know, tanning beds, right? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, that's a whole big thing here in this country too. We've done many shows on tanning, and yeah, the you may hate Obamacare or you may love Obamacare, but a percentage of the taxes on tanning as now support melanoma research. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah whereas, you know, whereas I was uh, I was diagnosed at 22 with metastatic melanoma, the secondary form, and I was never given the uh, chance to find the primary. So I'm very big on uh, you know advocating for early detection because early detection with primary melanoma gives a really good prognosis. So, sure. Yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Well, congratulations to both of you Thank on you. your survivorship of stupid melanoma cancer. That's right. And uh, welcome to the States. You're on a, a, a national tour, apparently, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, MelanomaRoadTripUSA.com. Um, we're going to be traveling for 18 days across America, visiting melanoma organizations and uh, fellow melanoma survivors. So it's, you know, we've got a live blog so people can check it out and, and catch up and see what we've, been, what, what we've been doing, yeah. Very cool. Well, welcome to the show. You're here the whole night. Feel free to chime in as we're, we're having our conversations. And uh, hello, Erin. Hi, guys. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Lisa is on vacation tonight. We uh, send her um, our angst and hatred because it's a lot warmer where she is than where we are. Although it was it warm was, today. It was very, very nice. Yes, but she's in like the tropics. Yeah, and that doesn't compare. No, she can wear shorts. We still can't wear shorts. No. Not at all. So, Lisa, we love you. Uh, we miss you, and we'll see you back here uh, pretty soon. I have to mention my wife is in the chat room tonight. I love you, baby. You are my reason to live with my children and uh, you make my life as amazing as it is so thank you I love you Jessica Oh, happy Valentine's Day sweetheart happy Valentine's Day Kenny yes. so anyway what's, uh, what's on the agenda to, to, to chat about tonight we've got a whole list of crap to go on oh I have to I have to um, I hate doing this every week it's like someone else dies I hate it every week um, we paid a, a tribute last week we have to I mean we don't like to single people out but on occasion there are people of significance in my life personally um, I met a young woman named Courtney Clifford uh, at the Livestrunk Summit in the summer of 2008 in um, wherever it was, Austin? I forget where it was. And uh, she's she, amazing, amazing young woman from, like, uh, Cincinnati, I think, Cincinnati, Ohio, because whatever, what, whatever the southernmost city in Ohio is, I think that's Cincinnati. The one, I wouldn't know no, the Midwest. The one that borders Kentucky. Anyway, if any Ohio people in the chat room, let me know. I think that's Cincinnati. But I met her, we, we uh, had a bunch of medical tests out there, and we hung out and um, got to know each other. Really amazing young woman. Uh, fought her cancer hard, and unfortunately, two and a half years later, uh, she passed away this week. Uh, sending our love out to Courtney Clifford, the family, and a special note to Chrissy Teriyaki. 
that is her last name, um, from uh, Hawaii, young adult survivor, a friend of ours, who had been uh, best friends of Courtney's this whole time and kept me updated on her status. She died in peace, not in pain, and her way. So, and that is the definition of what it means to be a young adult survivor. Um, I guess, you know, Kenny's not here tonight. Uh, he's in the other room, but I wanted to talk about this trip to Chicago, but I guess I can wait. Um, apparently there was a Johnny Immerman stupid cancer happy hour in Chicago, but it was negative 4,000 degrees. So they had a poor turnout, but enough people came to realize that there's a possibility of really having young adult stuff going on in Chicago in preparation for our boot camp um, in June. So stay tuned for that. Um, what else you got, Aaron? Anything yeah. for me? Well, we've got Spencer's, which has been uh, going very well there. Uh, oh, Are you alive? No, no, I'm not at all. Okay. I'm dead on the table. Okay, Spencer's, uh, if, you, if you've ever been to a mall, because we live in America and it's obligatory, you might have a Spencer's store in, in that mall that sells all sorts of fun tchotchkes. They're selling our wristbands along with the wristbands from our partner, the Young Survival Coalition. And... Um, you know, they've raised over $110,000 for our two organizations in the first week or so. So that's $110,000. Go to your Spencer's in your local mall if you have one. Buy some wristbands. Say hi to the crew. Introduce yourselves. Tell them you're fans of the organizations. Really good stuff. Really, really good stuff. Um, and uh, I guess, did you read, Lisa was in, um, Lisa Berna was interviewed. Yes, she was. She was in, interviewed by Empower. H E R, play on words, and uh, she had a very lovely article in there. That's it. <laughs> I have to cue. All right, Aaron, you've earned the first. Congratulations. Thank you. Okay, great. Anyway, yes, it was a great interview. The um, it's it's still going, isn't it? Lots of crickets. Um, it was a great interview. Uh, it did us proud. They probably misquoted half of the stats. So, well, I didn't know if you wanted me to bring that up. No, I mean I don't. I doubt the authors are listening to the show. But if she is, we uh, we, we we I guess we thank you for um, writing the piece. That's yes. it. Okay. And I guess uh, OMG Summit. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that in the news. In the news, right? I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that that's. I'm out of it. I'm done. You're done. I'm done. Done. All right. I guess done. people probably, maybe people want to know what happened to my stroke. Oh well, yeah. I mean that was last week. Yeah, old news. It's, old news. Yeah, it's old news. Not a tumor. I had to cue it up. And the moral of the story is. It's not a tumor. And now we can rejoice. <laughs> yes, it's true. The rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated. I do not have brain cancer again. I had a mini stroke uh, three weeks ago. I'm in under good care. I am slowly recuperating, and I'm seeing good doctors. So that's the story. I'm sticking to it. And, yes. Anyway. Anyway, do Cricket? we want to... Crickets? No? No. No okay. crickets. All right. All right. Well, let's move on to our Survivor Spotlight then. And, uh... What time is it? you want to read her intro, or do you sure. want me to make fun of her? <laughs> All right. Lindsay Gina is a stage 4 sarcoma fighter. Diagnosed at 19 during her freshman year of college, she has yet to let it slow her down. 
staying in school through radiation treatment, finishing finals a week before major surgery, and coming back minus a muscle, a kidney, and some nerves, she completed her associate's degree in medical assisting in 2010. She is now pursuing a bachelor's in health and wellness and participates in the Ride for Roswell every June as captain of her own cycling team. She also writes a blog about her journey to find a treatment to keep her disease stable. Welcome, Lindsay. Thank you. Now, first things first. How old are you? I'm 23. And you were diagnosed when? When I was 19. Okay. That must have sucked. That really did suck. Were you in college? I was in college. What were you majoring in? Um, nursing. Now, there's never a good time to get diagnosed, but at what point in your studies were you diagnosed? Um, let's see. I started uh, the end of August, and I was diagnosed in January. Okay. So I really didn't get the experience. So but at least it was during winter break, right? Yeah, it was. I was okay. Mm-hmm. How did you find out about this? Um, I actually, I was having some chronic UTIs that actually have nothing to do with my tumor in the end, but um, my primary care doctor, actually, she was a physician assistant. She said, well, let's go. Let's just do an ultrasound on the bladder and see if things are okay. So um, I went in, and I just had a really bad feeling that day, and it ended up a huge shadow showed up on the ultrasound, and it was a basal-sized tumor sitting wow. on my psoas muscle deep in my abdomen. So. Were they surprised, or were they like, oh, it's nothing? Um, I think at that point it was just so big right. that, you know, they wanted to just, you know, call me and say, you know, this is probably not worst-case scenario, but I, I had a feeling it was. You just know. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, you just so know. it wasn't like, oh, you're too young for this, which is what too many people get. I did get, I mean, they said, well, you know, it could be a couple different things, but in the end, you just know. Right. You just know. And I could tell by the look on their face. It was big, and it wasn't good. Right, right, right. <laughs> so so ha- what, what what happened next? Were you rushed into surgery and chemo and all that stuff? No, honestly, I had a lot of, like, um, images taken. I had a CT scan. I had an MRI. Because um, sarcomas are so rare. So, mm-hmm. you know, and we knew it wasn't on any major organs. It was just sitting on a muscle, so that was even more confusing. But so, so how big is your scar? Or where is it? My scar is on my abdomen. It's about, um, I'd say, nine centimeters. Okay. It goes, like, literally right under my rib cage, all the way below my belly button. Okay. It's, a, it's a monster. So, <laughs> so, uh, were you able to graduate, or ha- how did the school handle your situation? I mean, um, we talk about this all the time. Yeah. E- education, you want to get your life going, you're close to graduating? Actually, my school was really understanding. Um, I never left school. I, I just part-timed. I just Where'd you left. go to school? I went to, um, when I was diagnosed, I was at Duville College in Buffalo. Okay. And they're actually really understanding. I, I only took a couple of classes at a time through my whole radiation and everything. And then literally, I literally took finals and had my surgery like a week later right. in May. Did you have, like, friends that abandoned you or were you found support or were you one of those survivors that didn't know there were other survivors out there? Um. I was. I definitely didn't know anyone with cancer. I mean, I knew older people with cancer. Right. Um, no one. I wouldn't say anyone really um, abandoned me, friend wise. But um, it was hard. It was hard because you don't right. know what to say. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a few kind of back away until they knew what to say to me. Yeah. You were at Roswell though. I did. I went to right. Roswell Park in Buffalo. I'm still there. And for the record, for our listeners out there, Roswell Park Cancer Institute is one of our new national partners uh, in young adult cancer advocacy. We're looking at holding a uh, a boot camp. Up there in uh, May, but when is the kickoff event coming up soon, correct? I believe it's the 24th. Right. February 24th. Thursday, February 24th, next week, our official mm-hmm. I2Y Buffalo kickoff super, super party, right? Yeah, super party. <laughs> yes. 
and that is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. So tell me then, you have any questions, Erin? Yeah, when did you come to learn about I2Y? What brought you in? Oh, my gosh. Um, I believe I found you guys on Facebook. Um, this was a good couple of years ago, I think. I hear we're there. I hear, yes, yes. And I think I just went to your site, and I just liked the attitude of it and how it was geared towards young people. It just kind of brought me in. So. Very were nice. you already into treatment at that point? Yes. Yeah. I was. Um, I had already had surgery at that point. How many rounds of chemo did you have? Um, geez, I can't remember. I think I did four weeks of it, four to Four to six weeks, about whatever okay. the I think forty some treatments, um, but it didn't do much to my tumor because sarcomas don't really respond to radiation. Right. So it really didn't do much. Okay. But they wanted to just keep it in check before they took it out. Your hair grew back. I never lost my hair. Really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that could be Lucky applause. girl. Lucky I, girl. I don't take no. I don't do normal chemo. I do targeted therapies. Okay. So that's why I have well, hair. Well, good for you. <laughs> well, I would presume four years later it would have grown back now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It didn't turn white, though. It turned white on one really? of the treatments, oh, yes. Wow. I like dye that? my hair often, and that's expensive. Like white, white? Like white, white. Like pure white. Like from that woman from Devil Wears Prada white? Yeah. Wow. Yes. My okay. roots Meryl have been pure right. white. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, that's a pain. That's but... like that chick from X-Men. <laughs> <laughs> Lightning? <laughs> and a Paquin, whatever that Storm. character. Storm, Storm, thank you. Storm? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> anyway, so um, so you heard today. Today. Are you on a, um, we talk about this a lot, I guess, I know Roswell has this, but back then, I mean, it was only four years ago, but mm-hmm. did Roswell have like a survivorship program or monitoring you, or did he go home and good luck? Um, well, it's hard because I, I've never been in remission, so I've never gone home, you know, right. so I've always been there. Um, so as far as any, like, keeping an eye on me, I'm there all the time, but other survivors and just, like, meeting other people, I never really did much. Okay. I um I'm usually the youngest person in the waiting room Still? <laughs> to this day. Yeah. Oh man. But I'm pretty used to it. So. But you're gonna have fun at the kickoff party. Yeah, well that's how I've been meeting other people. Yeah, it's which through is good. I2I, so. Very nice. Very nice. So what's uh did you graduate? I did. I ended up um switching majors. I um went to a different college, Brighton Stratton. Um and I graduated from there with my associates. So and now I'm back in school to finish my bachelor's. Like and my original plan. <laughs> so back on track. Minor speed bump. <laughs> yeah. Back on track. Minor just speed bump. Just a little bump. bit. Just a tiny back little on speed track. bump. So what is your end goal? Where do you see yourself? Working? I I want to be in medicine no matter what. I want to be in healthcare. Um, I'm studying alternative and complementary medicine. Did your diagnosis motivate you more to go into the medical field? Um, I wouldn't say I already wanted to be in it, but it motiva- motivated me more into oncology. That's mm-hmm. for sure. I kind of stayed away from that, but... It's what I know now. You so. have a new purpose there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you um, have friends from before that you're still friends with, and do they treat you differently now? No, not really. Okay. I mean, I still have my same friends. A lot of my best friends I've had since preschool. I'm from a really small town. Okay. And, I um, <laughs> Yeah, and um, I still have them. Um, my college roommate is now one of my best friends. From, Very nice. You know, we we never fought, <laughs> and she's been with me the whole time. She was, I mean, we had just met, and then I get diagnosed with cancer. That's kind of weird. You know, yeah, that's like Valentine's Day when you started dating last week. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> weird. <laughs> right. So. Anyway, so that's good. We're glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here too. And Anna, how do you, how do you make sense of this? Like we talk about this sometimes with different kinds of guests. I'll just answer a very pointed question. If you're never in remission, what does cure mean? Right. I mean that's hard because 
I know they say there's no cure for cancer, but I mean, with my treat, with my cancer, there's barely treatment. Right. So it, it's frustrating, but I mean, that's why I, I try to advocate for research and just the funding. I mean, sarcoma is underfunded as it is. Right. So I mean, I just try to live as healthy as possible. Sure. Basically, and I mean, you can still feel very good Even if you have you, cancer. Well, you did have wings with us that night. I did have buffalo wings. <laughs> <laughs> so there's yeah. an asterisk when I'm visiting, right? Is that what that's that is? right. That's okay. right. <laughs> what was the name of that place? Um, Duff. Duff's. Duff's. The famous Duff's of Buffalo. Yes. You guys took me on a trip, that's for it sure. It was delicious. It was very delicious. So, anyway, so we got this big kickoff coming. You're on the committee, aren't you, with Kaylee and uh, yep. Matt and the crew? I'll be there. What do you want to happen in Buffalo? I just want to get more people. I mean, we're so lucky to have Roswell, as it is. Right. I would love to see more young people just not be afraid of the word cancer. Right. And just get together and make friends. And just get it out. I think I don't like um, the cliche of cancer. I don't. You shouldn't be afraid of it. Right. So. Well, I think it's okay to have a healthy fear of it. Well, that's right. Yeah. I mean, we we I I hearken it to like you know AIDS in the eighties uh, mm-hmm. and nineties, which was like it was a death sentence. Yeah. And then like in the nineties and earlier this past decade, when the medicine made it more sort of sustainable and treatable and like a chronic disease, you were still afraid of getting it, but you knew you weren't going to die. Right. You know, in your case, in cases like mine, where you just sort of live with it and you live with consequences and you try to manage your life, mm-hmm. it doesn't really ever go away. It's more of a chronic lifestyle as a result of it. Should we be afraid of it any less than we were 10 years ago? I feel like if, I mean, of course I'm scared. I'm scared every day, but I feel like if you let the fear get into your head too much, you're going to stop living. Right. And that's what I'm afraid of. I don't want to stop living. I don't want to just hide. We in don't want room. you to stop living either. No, <laughs> no. no. we're a big well, fan you. of you staying alive. <laughs> Me yeah. too. Yeah. Me too. Wow. All right. Well, that's good. This has been a very, very good interview. Well, thank you. And you're welcome to stick around. I mean, you're not going anywhere. The door's locked. We're not you kicking you, you out. You can't leave. We're not kicking you out. <laughs> okay. But uh, Lindsay, Gina, everybody, congratulations. Alrighty, now it's time for the Super Cancer News. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. Alrighty, during this part of the Stupid Cancer Show, we make a series of special announcements to let our listeners know about a whole bunch of free stuff that we don't want you missing out on, like conferences, happy hours, retreats, scholarships, support groups, music events, concerts, kayaking retreats, and more. If you have something coming up that you would like to hear broadcast during this part of the segment, please email us at info at stupidcancer.com, and we'll be happy to read it on the air. That is info at stupidcancer.com. All righty, Aaron, the news is all yours. All right. Head on over to events.stupidcancer.com. It is your one-stop shop calendar for all of your Stupid Cancer events nationwide and even in Canada. Stay in the loop because something could be happening in your neck of the woods, and we certainly don't want you to miss out. Please support Team Stupid Cancer, our running team for the New York City Half Marathon, by visiting TeamStupidCancer.com and make a donation toward their fundraising goals. And now we're three weeks into registration for the fourth annual OMG Cancer Summit, and there are only 70 spots left. So hurry over to omg2011.org and register today. Have you heard about our Cancer-tastic cruise to nowhere during the OMG Cancer Summit? 
Originally, we only had 200 spots for the cruise, but due to overwhelming enthusiasm and demand, we are turning to you, our survivors and listeners, to help bring all attendees of the OMG Cancer Summit to our cancer-tastic cruise to nowhere. This will be an amazing celebration. We certainly don't want any young adult survivor left behind. Go to crowdrise.com slash OMG2011 and donate today. Every Tuesday, our partners at the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Society present YA Connect, a free interactive webcast supporting young adults affected by all cancers. Check it out at lls.org slash YA Connect. And we've got stupid cancer. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, the, the event? You love- That's Kenny's job. He failed. Thanks, Kenny. And we have we have stupid cancer uh, so happy hours happening in North Carolina, Minnesota, Seattle, uh, D.C., Buffalo, and uh, we just created one for uh, Florida, Orlando. Florida. Yes, Orlando with the YSC conference coming up. And Kenny and I will both be at that. Very nice. As well as Jason and Erica. Ja- our, uh, Jason, Jason Milan, Erica Reyes, the two young adult survivor college students getting married this year. Very nice. Very good for them. And I have one more news note here. Uh, Livestrong's Young Adult Alliance and the Universal Record Database have joined forces to bring you Break Cancer, a campaign to raise awareness about adolescent and young adult cancer. This is your chance to get rowdy, be outrageous, and step out of your comfort zone by recording and submitting a world record while at the same time raising awareness around the issues of young adult cancer. To learn more about Break Cancer and to submit your world record, visit breakcancer.co. That's breakcancer.co, not .com, .co. Breakcancer.co. Um, all right, and to keep up with all of your record-setting activities, you can follow Break Cancer on Twitter at, at @breakcancer and on Facebook, Break Cancer. All righty, folks, and that is your Stupid Cancer News. And we're a little early for an arena call-in. So let's, uh, I don't know, let's talk to the Aussies a little bit more. All right. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued at, the, at this tour. Tell us where are you going. We have, some of your fans are in the chat room tonight. So uh, tell uh, us where, what, where are you headed in this lovely country of ours. Okay. Well, tomorrow we go to Yale Melanoma uh, Facility over there. Bob Heffernan, he's a stage four melanoma survivor. He's going to come pick us up in the morning. Um, we're going to spend the day there, and then we leave Wednesday morning to go to Ohio, Tip City, um, and visit Jill and Eric Robin Sizemore. Eric's been battling melanoma. He was diagnosed 12 months after me, stage three melanoma, and um, he's been in a tough battle the last 12 months. So I'm looking forward to really, you know, meet them and hopefully make them feel just a little bit better, you know, than what they've been feeling. Um, do they know you're like, coming? Yeah, they do know we're coming, and they're very. That'd be a weird surprise if Australian guys show up. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. But um, yeah, we go from Ohio down to um, Columbus, then down to Washington back up to Philadelphia, then back up to New York. Then we fly over to L.A., um, spend two days in L.A., then fly to Dallas, um, then drive across to Colorado to visit Miranda McGill, um, another melanoma survivor. And then um, we drive back up to Memphis, Dallas, sorry, to go and visit AIM at Melanoma Foundation. Um, And then um, we go across to um, Memphis and down to Mississippi. Um, And then we fly back to L.A., and then we drive across to Vegas, across to San Francisco to meet Samantha Gill. She's a, another indoor tanning advocate. Um, and then we back, drive back down the coast to L.A. So it's a, it's a real journey, and, and it's going to be a great one. We're hoping to get 
a lot of melanoma awareness out there, and also um, the message that you know and the the risk associated with sunbed use out there that sunbeds just need to be banned worldwide. So are you are you working with any specific corporations, or are you are you charging against any specific companies that make these tanning beds? Um, oh, look, not really. We, we just want to get the word out there, and you know the operators are clearly clearly in Australia not complying with regulations. So we want to get the message across that, that you know they need to be banned because there is a fact out there in Australia that if you're under if you're under 30 and you use a sunbed, it, it increases your chances of developing skin cancer, in particular melanoma, by as high as 98 percent. So that fact needs to be out there, and, and you know, especially over here for young people. So, um, are you, you doing know. any sort of guerrilla marketing tactics, like throwing sheep's blood on tanning salons? No, no. Look, we're not stooping that 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 low. We just want to share our stories and and hopefully get awareness out there. But you know, it'd be good to see um, if we can create some sort of noise over here in the states sure. in regards to sunbeds. Have yeah. You, oh, have you been doing these tours in Australia as well? Um, no, this is the first road trip of its kind. Um, for Clinton and myself, but we have awareness days in Australia at Bondi Beach um, over the last couple of years, and just been getting the word out there. Yeah, so it's slowly it's slowly gaining momentum, and I think coming over to the states, it's 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 going to be it's going to get bigger. Hope. Very nice. It's also a uh, major march for melanoma that we run in Australia, and we're we're holding that in Melbourne and Perth this year, just next month. So you know, a big skin awareness event that we uh, that we hold for the people in those states. And hopefully uh, next year it's going to get into Sydney. Jay's going to put it on in Sydney and uh, we'll make it a real national event. So uh, that's something to look forward to as well. Yeah. Do you have any celebrities you're working with? Um, uh, Clinton Hill. This guy sitting right next to me, he, um, he only just recently just got voted youngest, uh, Western Australia Young Australian of the Year. So really? That's, yeah, it's a pretty Very good honour. Nice. Congratulations. That was, was a, my old job. <laughs> it was actually just up against Jessica Watson, the, the Round the World Sailor. Oh, yeah? A couple of weeks ago, yeah, and he just dipped out by her, but... Um, Oh, you know, congratulations. The guy's an inspiration. So you're going to be like the new president of the country, right? <laughs> yeah, not not quite the president. Okay. Um, yeah, we're, we're just at the prime minister level. Uh, okay. Yeah, we're, still in, we're still in the Commonwealth. Uh, Very nice. But uh, no, it was a, you know, a great award and uh, something that uh, really humbled me. And um, you know, re- I really saw it as something that um, you know, was recognition for all melanoma survivors and, and people with melanoma out there that uh, you know, there is some w- good work being done, even though... Uh, people are up against uh, a pretty serious disease. Well, that's I admire what you guys are doing. It's just uh, my last question again, because we're going to get our our main guest, Noreen, in a second. Um, What do you think, is it just um, sort of invulnerability or invincibility that young people don't pay attention to these messages or they don't think it could happen to them? Yeah, I think I think really, you know, I do a lot of uh, school talks and 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 talk with a lot of young people, and it is really that message that they just don't think it'll happen to them. And by meeting with someone that it has happened to, I was 22 when I was first diagnosed. Uh, it just really rings home, and hopefully, you know, gets the message across that, you know, it can happen to them. In Australia, you know, it's the the statistics are about one in 30 young wow. people yeah. will get melanoma over the course of their lifetime. That's crazy. So, so it isn't like it won't happen, um, and we right. need to get that message across, and that's something me and Jay are really passionate about. All right. Yeah. Well, you're, you're still sticking around. The door's locked. You can't go anywhere. But uh, time to introduce our, our main guest here. All righty. Noreen Frazier was diagnosed with cancer in 2001 and is living with stage 4 metastatic cancer. After co-founding and co-producing Stand Up to Cancer in 2008, she launched her own foundation to direct funding to women's cancer research and create campaigns, which are brilliant, 
which use comedy to raise awareness for women's cancer issues. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, Noreen Frazier. Noreen. Hey. Hi, guys. Hi, how are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm so happy to be with you tonight. You know, we're very excited to have you. It's been a long time coming. Thank you. Thank you. So I think what, what appeals to me most is your in, in, incredibly innovative use of comedy in getting this message out. But before we get to that, I want to I wanna hear more about your story. I want to understand, you know, how were you diagnosed? Was it typical? Did you go through the the mill with certain things? Were you misdiagnosed? Well, you know, um, in 2001, I had had a mammogram. And about two weeks later, I was just watching television, and I just had an itch, and I just scratched, you know, on my chest, and I felt a lump. I thought, well, that can't be anything. I just had my mammogram, and everything's fine. And then I thought, nah, I'm not stupid. i gotta, I got to look into this. I am not going to. So I went to my OBGYN, and then they sent me for a biopsy. And as, as quick as can be, they told me that it was cancer. And the, where the mammogram squishes down your boob, right Above the line of where the mammogram squishes down your boob was my tumor. So oh. it was good. I went in, and um, if I would have just, it was like it felt like the size of a. It was hard, which is also a, a tip. If you feel something kind of squishy, you still have to go. But it's generally that can be a cyst. But if it's hard, it's generally cancer. So. Um, you know, I, I did. I went in and I uh, had a biopsy, and then I had cancer, and that sucks. And uh, then I had a lumpectomy and radiation, and then uh, with a 94% chance that it would never return because I had no lymph nodes that had cancer in them, and I had a very small tumor, but two years later it was in my bones. And just about or two months ago, they found it in my liver, and I'm I'm doing chemo right now. Are there any? Do you have any thoughts on that? How does this disease manifest in such a way? I mean, did did your initial diagnosis, you know, cause you to abandon certain eating habits or to take on a healthier no. lifestyle? No, no, because I was really healthy. I have no first right. of all, I had no history. I had no history of cancer in my family at all. I always worked out. This is a story you'll hear from a million women. One in eight, one in eight women are diagnosed um, with breast cancer um, every year, and you, you just can't believe it. It's healthy women. It's women that did work out. It's women that did not eat junk food. It's women that, you know, were very on top of their game. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I still am going to put more money into um, the environment. I think... Um, Gosh, you know, I was doing, I produced Maria Shriver's, um, some of her segments for the Women's Conference and um, the Governor's Women's Conference, and I met Erin Brockovich. Sure. And, she, and we were talking, and she said, you know, uh, I was telling her that I have breast cancer. I said, so what, are, we were talking, and I said, what, what are you working on? And she said, you know what I'm going to work on next is that those two, two places, One's on Long Island and one's in uh, Marin County uh, in San Francisco, where where oh, the breast cancer is epidemic and yeah. no one knows why. And 
it's got to be. It's got. We got to dig. We got to dig. It's somewhere. It's in the water. It's in. It's. It's somewhere. And so she wants to raise money for that. And I was considering getting on board. Although that's not that funny. And you know, I'm, I'm into funny, so I'd have to figure out how I could work that out. Well, I'm. I'm from New York City. <laughs> We're getting props in the chat room that you mentioned Long Island. You know, Long Island used to be an agribusness cesspool before Robert Moses came on and built Levittown on top of it. So there's no uh-huh. – and Long Island has the largest percentage of breast cancer charities per capita in the country. There's something like 19 breast cancer organizations in Long Island alone to treat all the women, disproportionate, as you mentioned, number of women, old and young, all ages. I, I think we should, you know what I think we should do? I think we should all chip in and get a bunch of shovels for them. I think they're wasting <laughs> their time. They're wasting their time. They're going to get out and start shoveling and find out what the hell's under there. Well, I, I smell a sponsor in Home Depot right there. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't know if you're aware of this, but there was a 10-year-old girl with breast cancer yeah. diagnosed last year. She was treated by our board chair, Dr. Leonard Sender, and she's doing fine now. But, like, what do you – how do you even approach that conversation about someone 10 years old getting breast cancer? I'm a big fan of your argument. It is very environmental. And how do we even begin – to explore that, you know, um, my daughter was ten when I when I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and that was the most horrifying thing to me that I would not be there for her. That you know, it, it, it's the toughest thing as a mother, but I can't even imagine reversing it and then having my child have it. I, there are no words to explain the horror of that piece of news, but. Um, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, all I could figure in my situation is that what motivated me was that I was not going to hear the words, my daughter has cancer. And so I didn't. I, I thought if I'm leaving the planet, I'm going to do my best before I leave to make sure that we make some headway so that she doesn't get cancer and these darling 10-year-old girls in her class don't get cancer. So... Um, I don't know if I veered off from the uh, question, but, um, yeah, that's a horror that a 10-year-old would get it. And I, I don't know how to answer that. I don't know if anyone does. Oh, wait, you said that you're with someone on your, on your board at the hospital treated her? Yeah, our board chairman is Dr. Leonard Sender. He's the chief oncologist at UC Irvine Children's Hospital, Orange County. And she, yeah. that 10-year-old girl was his patient. What did he say? They were, they were mind-boggled. It makes no sense. Yeah. They treated her like anyone else. But she, the, she didn't have breast tissue. She she was prepubescent, but yet she had breast cancer. Oh, my God. Yeah. I believe Erin has a question for you. Um, with early detection, I know you promote this. Um, how, is it benefit, how has it benefited you what have, uh, personally? Oh, well, I guess that you could say that since I was on top of my mammograms, and uh, I was very aware of self-breast examination and the importance of that. So, uh, you know, I'm a talk show producer, a television talk show producer by trade. And so I had done a million, a million segments on the home show and various shows that I produced that dealt with breast cancer. So, you know, and self-examination and all that jazz. So I was pretty hip to it. And I think, I think by the fact that I felt that, um, and I went in and did something, and that's why my tumor was very, very small. Uh, I think that's how 
I can be grateful for that. But yet, on the other hand, here I landed in the 4% where my cancer came back. That was insane. Well, it's, it certainly speaks to the fact that, you know, statistics are just that. They're just numbers. Yeah, yeah. Can, can yeah. you talk a little about how you took your your survivorship and you plugged into Stand for the Cancer and then moved towards starting the Marine Fraser Foundation? Well, um, you know, don't don't be fooled into thinking that I didn't sit around for a year and cry and feel sorry for myself. And we're allowed to do that. We are totally allowed to do that. Yeah. So I did that too, and I, you know, I was stunned that when it came back. And it was metastatic and incurable the second, you know, two years later. And I think that's when I went, holy shit, now I've really got to do something. And I went, what am I going to do? I don't know how to do anything. He thought, well, you know what? I'm a television producer. What if I did um, a telethon to raise money just like uh, Jerry Lewis does? And that's how the idea came about. And And you work with your uh, friends at EIF. That, That was such an amazing partnership you guys put together. Yeah, it was. It was, and we partnered. Uh, um, Laura, it's funny because Laura Ziskin, who produced the Spider-Man movies, she also is a stage four uh, cancer survivor, and we have the same doctor. That's and, right. I knew that. She's a friend of the show. Uh, so I, yeah, I saw her in the waiting room. I mean, not in the waiting room. When we were both getting treated, she was getting chemo, and I recognized her because when I produced Entertainment Tonight, I interviewed her. When she had been, she was the first woman to, with Sally Field to start a production company, um, and that was very cool at that time. That was, gosh, in 1984. So I recognized her, and I said to my doctor, "You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell a television show, and when I do, I want you to introduce me to Laura Ziskin because she's going to get the stars that I need." So um, I'm sorry, I got to pull up here. So, um, so anyhow. She, that's how I, you know, I met her, and then she took me to Sherry Lansing, and then the three of us were able to finagle um, a commitment from the three networks, and that's how it, that's how it all happened. Yeah, and we've been part of that relationship ever since, and it's been a, a great opportunity, sort of being the end of that yang. I fully support the philosophies that Santa Cruz yeah. brought to the research community. Um, in terms of you know molecular medicine and, and targeted therapies, is is that the direction you see the future of research going, yes. and is that where your yes. foundation is making a difference? Yes, absolutely. Because um, the money that um, that stand up to cancer, uh, one of the one of the projects they picked was breast cancer. There were five projects that we were able to give money to. One of them was breast cancer, and Right now, that is that's where that's where everything is turning to try to find uh, targeted treatments that are non-toxic. Right now, I'm doing chemo, but my doctors at UCLA say that with the money they got from Stand Up to Cancer and the money that I was able to give them from my um, foundation, that they are very very close to finding to uh, putting into trials this new substance that they have found that will be non-toxic. And so um, my doctor said to me, you know, uh, as soon as that's ready, within a couple years, they're going to say it's going to be ready and you're not going to be doing chemo and you're going to do this non-toxic drug. So God willing, that was very cool. And if that that happens, you know, I think 
the researchers too are are um, are believing that with all these advances that we're making now in technology, nanotechnology, and so forth, and the human genome, that we're going to make cancer a chronic disease just like diabetes. And instead of dying from cancer, you will live with cancer, and your cancer will be managed. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I know you, you chimed in, um, uh, you know, you called in at your slot. One of our survivor spotlights tonight is a young woman named Lindsay Gina who was diagnosed at 19 with sarcoma, and she's living with it. She's, she's uh, you know, and then it's now is, well, I guess the question is, is cancer the new AIDS? Yeah, yeah, I think so, absolutely. So, I think so, I'm forgetting there. Right, or because HIV in this country is now the new diabetes, so I figure cancer could be the new HIV. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think you're right. So the goal. So where does the word cure? I notice you don't use the word cure as much as like, if at all. Where does that word fit into the conversation, if at all? Anyway. Uh, you know what? I don't think we can think about it anymore. I agree. I just, you know, I think it was it, that was that was way too big. It, it's just way too big, and I mean, it, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. But let's just try to live. If we can just stay alive, um, that's that's good enough for me. Right. I just and I try to do that, and I, I also I try to do that with you know. It's also about the quality of life. Oh sure. I mean, if you you know if you're going to be doing chemo for the rest of your life and you can't leave your house and you are sick growing up, you know what's that all about? I'm doing chemo right now, and um, I'm working every day, and I know it's a it's a beginner's chemo, so to speak. It's a light dose, so we're going to see in eight weeks how it works on my um, on the spots that I have on my liver. But, sure. um, gosh, if I have to take this for the rest of my life, I can live with this. Right, and I have a friend who has chronic myelogenous leukemia, and she is on a Gleevec. And, again, it's one of those miracle medicines that are very targeted that, that they discovered. And she, the cancer doesn't go away, it doesn't get worse, but she just lives with this chronic disease, and that's it. Yeah. Is that is that where we're going in twenty years, ten years, five years? I think so I think so. So I think the two things are, you know, for those drugs to work too, you still have to keep your eye on that early detection situation because the sooner you find something before it metastasizes, thing cancer in stage one is, you don't want to use the word cure, but it's curable or right. certainly manageable. You have your best shot if you are if you are diagnosed in stage one. So I still try to get that message out, and I'm using I'm using men in comedy to try to get that out. And I and the very first thing I did was I was with I had lunch with Jack Black, and I said to Jack, you know, I, I really need you to do something for me. And he said, what? And I said, I I think it would be very funny if you got a mammogram and we get a reaction from the public. And like <laughs> it was it was laughing. Was oh come on, you're bullshitting me. You're not serious, are you? And I said, yeah, I think it's funny. I think it's really funny. So then he sat there for a minute, and he goes, you know, it is funny. I said, yeah, I'm funny, Jack. Okay, so he did do the mammogram. It's hilarious. We got a lot of uh, air time out of it. I've gotten a lot of mileage out of it. Oh, we love and them. That, We've been promoting them. It's great. They're amazing. They're fabulous. And, that, you know, then Zach did something for me after that, and then Neil Patrick Harris and um, Jason Siegel, and I got Governor Schwarzenegger to do something, and... Uh, then it all was snowballed into this Power of Comedy, the live event that we did last year at, the, at Club Nokia, 
we raised a lot of money. And so I think, you know, comedy, just like what you're doing, comedy is kind of a niche that no one's really tapped. Right. It hasn't been hugely tapped. And the other thing is men have not been tapped for women. And I think I'm on to something with that. I've got some new ideas on how I'm going to use men to reach women, and I think that will be very successful. I love how it's all these powerful women who created Stand Up to Cancer, and now we're just trying to bring men into the conversation right, with exactly. men for women. Right. Very no, nice. Feminist. We're all just slackers. If women were running the world, like this country and the world, you know what? I don't believe there would be any wars. <laughs> I'm actually going to believe. I'm going to agree, agree with that. I will agree with that. As a man, I will agree with that completely. And I had a question. You know what? Girls like to talk. You guys don't talk. No. That's how we get into trouble. There's no communication, and then, you know, someone drops the bomb. I only like that to talk because I like to hear myself. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't happen with women. Now, uh,. You've been using celebrities, uh, they've been using comedy to promote awareness for your cause, but have you found it difficult to bring humor to survivors, to get them to talk about it, laugh about it? Um, you know, I have, no, I, 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 it, it, it has reached them. I haven't, you know, I was just thinking about that, that I've got to start, um, start putting on my website or blogging with, with survivors in humor because I haven't really publicized that. But no, I get I get lots of emails and and um, calls and and friends who call me about how I've helped their friend and no, so I, I do think the message gets to them. Absolutely. So in terms of um, this idea of molecular medicine targeted therapists, I'm sure you're well aware of the story how Herceptin was originally found in a pediatric neuroblastoma by accident, and it became the Herceptin gene, which is now being used in, like, not even breast cancer, being used in colon cancer, lung cancer. Do you foresee a lot of the research you're doing producing treatments or translational treatments that are supportive of other diseases or other organs? Absolutely. You know, um, that was the, the one thing that really pissed me off when I first got cancer. I thought, I'm sorry, I'm going to say it. What the hell is Susan Coleman doing? What is the <laughs> Susan Coleman Foundation that I've been giving all this money to? Ooh. I don't know. She was expletives. I'm going to say, what the F? What the F? And I went on their website, and that's when I came up with the model for Standard to Cancer because I was looking. They were making all this money, and they were not giving more than $200,000 to uh, researchers and programs. And so, in other words, they were sprinkling right. sprinkling on the problem. And that's when I, you know, I bounced it off my doctor and said, hey, I just figured out the problem. You just, if you give one person $250,000 like Coleman's doing and like the NIH is doing, you know, they're, they're just getting started by the time they have to stop and reapply for another grant. So, you know, it doesn't make sense unless you can give a million or more to a project. And that's when we came up with the idea that our idea was to give $10 million per project and you had to be accountable for it. You had to share the, share the information with, uh, with other um, scientists and you had to be accountable and you had to come back and report on what you're doing. And so... I think stand up to cancer, and that model is the model that's going to make it work. And I think uh, trying to 
Well, anyway, I, w- I will agree with you. We have a lot of young cancer researchers in our community. They may or may not be survivors, but they're definitely in their 20s and 30s. They got their degrees. They're going to cancer research, and they are so enamored with the idea of not having to chase the money, but chasing the science. And I think the standard yeah. of the cancer philosophy is we're going to let the 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 uh, researchers tell us what needs to get done and fund them in collaborative teams, rather than. We're going to decide what needs to get done, and you have to come to us. It's brilliant. So, yeah, and I think I think some of these other foundations better get on board. I mean, it's just a suggestion. Try to be nice. <laughs> I mean, tell me what 116 breast cancer organizations on Long Island are doing. It's not going to work if we don't work together. And right. the other thing is that, you know, the, uh, the ovar- ovarian – did you notice there's an ovarian cancer foundation? There's the Susan Komen for breast cancer. There isn't anyone that's doing women's cancer, all cancer, cervical. Right. I, I dare say I might be the only one. And I decided I originally my foundation was for breast cancer, and then I, when I found out the statistics of ovarian, I was horrified because those women are never going to find it, are rarely going to find it in an early stage because the ovaries are so deeply embedded and um you know what we got to put the money into we have to care about all women's cancers and then in turn care about cancer i mean everyone is like trying to i don't know make the money for themselves make the money for their thing no one thinks big like stand up to cancer nobody's thinking big about collaborating and about making big money and about joining hands and working together, it's all like, you know, I mean, if I see one more pink ribbon, <laughs> another product from Susan Coleman, I'm going to barf. Right. Sorry. I mean, Campbell's Soup. And then do we, do we want to talk about Kenny King's fried chicken? Oh, the yeah, we don't. Chicken? Yeah, How the buckets for the cure. Right. Breast cancer. How right. does that make sense? Right, to exactly. pink ribbon, I'm appalled. I'm appalled. Right, and you have a right to be. And there was they fried chicken. Right. You know what? I don't know what to say about those people, but they're not watching their health. They're not taking care of themselves. I think it's been very interesting. And when when I had to put Coleman on the hot seat, but at the end of the day, they are facing a lot of heat from their you know between the KFC and the they're they're suing other organizations over their trademarks. You know, I, we're seeing a lot of conversation over what it is that they're doing and I really hope that they can prove that they're making a difference you know maybe offline we can talk more about that because I didn't know I thought I was the only one mad about the KFC oh no this was a national thing you know there's a smaller organization in San Francisco called Breast Cancer Action and all they do is basically like anti-pink Pink washing, pink nausea, you know, uh, corporate exploitation of pink, watchdogging of consumer affairs. They're really, really good at that. And they're the ones that brought down Yoplait. They're great. They brought down Yoplait when Yoplait was the only yogurt that had the bovine growth hormone in it, but they were selling the pink lids for Komen. They, they brought them down with their little, little campaign went viral. There was a big movement to hold these organizations so much more accountable now than ever before. But no, wait a minute. Who were they coming down on, Yoplait or on Coleman? Well, they were coming down on Yoplait A because they were giving money to Coleman yeah. and the fact that their they, their yogurt had 
bovine growth hormone, which obviously is a factor in the risks for breast cancer, the irony of that. And they were also coming down on the fact that you had to mail the lids in to get the the money to Komen. It cost you 44 cents to mail in a lid for Komen to get 10 cents. And then the argument was, what does Komen do with those 10 cents, and where's the cap on the money? Okay, but you didn't bring up the big question. Why would Komen sell themselves out to Yoplait? You don't think there's anybody on their staff that could figure that out? That that was not a good thing? Is there anyone on their staff that can figure out that we should not put our name on KFC? I mean, they have to be accountable. They're the ones that made the agreement to raise the money with the corporation. Come on. I think it's interesting that uh, with Komen, all of these uh, companies, KFC, YoPlay, They're companies, they're not faces, they're not people. We don't really know who they are, but with Stand Up to Cancer, we see celebrities, we see names, we know exactly who's supporting it. We're not afraid to say because we're there. The first thing that I, that I got an email from Laura Ziskin. She emailed, like, Laura Ziskin emailed me. I'm like a nobody. Laura Ziskin emailed me. Come out to LA, we want to meet you. We're starting an advocacy group to support Stand Up to Cancer. So we were one of the first organizations out in L.A. and Hollywood to help them with the 2008 event. And we've been friends ever since. And quite honestly, that made the difference for me. You guys are want collaboration. You want support. You're not competitive. You do, we do the opposite of you. We support the people who, who live and try to give them that dignity and quality of life. And you guys are focused on the research to help us get to that stage. It's just a very magnanimous philosophy in which you started the whole thing, and it's clearly trickled down into what you're doing today. Thank you. Um, we have about three minutes left. Uh, what you have any events coming up or campaigns? How can we tell our listeners what you got going on? Yeah, we're gonna, we're doing a big campaign right now um, to get. Um, I got a lot of celebrities. We're taping. Um, we're doing e cards for Mother's Day and for Father's Day. So we're getting the word out, and you can send a. The cards are free. You can send a a celebrity um, saying Happy Mother's Day, but also saying, hey, can you can you promise me that you'll go make your appointment for your mammogram or your pap smear? So that's, you know, that's always a good thing to do. And um, we're gearing up for another power of comedy, looking for our host, and um, we're I'm not busy. I'm sorry? I'm not very busy these days. Okay. All right. <laughs> And Comedy Central, we're um, partnering with Comedy Central on a couple of projects. So, um, yeah, I, um, I think I was told by my uh, PR person since I'm, uh, I don't, I tried, I'm trying to get into the Facebook and the Twitter stuff, but our our tweet thing, I think, is at Noreen Fraser. Yes, you and, guys retweet all of our stuff. You're like my Twitter stalkers. We love you. Oh, great. And, um, yeah, just uh, just tell everybody to come on the uh, NoreenFraserFoundation.org, and it's got all the videos of Jack Black and Zach and all these great guys and and um, ways that you can get involved and um, talking about laughter is healing, and we're going to keep laughing. I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been to, to have you on the show. I look forward to meeting you one day. Um, I'm yeah, not, I do too. Are you, yeah, are you in L.A. or in New York? I'm in L.A. Where are you? Are you in Orange County? We're in New York, but I get out to L.A. quite often. In fact, I'm having uh, lunch with Kathleen Lobb next week. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, you know, call me. Call me or get in touch with me. I'd love to have lunch with you. 
I love it. Thank you for everything, Noreen. Uh, you rock. Good luck with everything. Thank you very much for all that you're doing. Okay. Noreen Fraser, everybody. Okay. That was a good interview. Yeah. She's got some opinions. We like people with opinions. I have plenty of opinions myself. Good stuff. Good stuff. Clearly, Coleman will never be our sponsor now. Clearly. <laughs> but we we won't want their money anyway, so that's fine. Uh, we will take, I'll, I'll take Joe Please money. Yeah, we'll, just, right. we'll call them out on their hypocrisy, but they should write us a check, right? <laughs> anyway, well, this is a good show. Very good. This is a really, really good show. Um, Aussies, what do you think? It's a great show. All right, which one of you is Hugh Jackman again? <laughs> oh, I think uh, neither of us are Hugh Jackman, but, uh, you know. What, weren't you Australian's Man of the Year or something? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just yeah, busting well, your shop. Yeah, no, I'm busting. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you like the show? No, this is great. Uh, we're, we're trying to keep up to date with uh, the Coleman Foundations and, and all the people we're talking about. But uh, Well, I think, I mean, in the interest of diplomacy, I think every organization contributes what it can, where it can. But on, on occasion, you grow a little too big and you lose sight of certain things and you try to make up for it. I know that they do do good things, but I know that there is a sort of a corrective strategy uh, ahead for them. And I'll, yeah. I'll leave it at that. We're here to call them out on it. Right. There's a few organizations in Australia that maybe at the start they had the passion and, and the right agenda, but now it just seems like they've just got their own agendas. Right. And, it's, you know, so we're working on a few things, and hopefully we can, you know, build up our, you know, Melanoma WA, Clint Runs in, in Western right. Australia to support patients. What is your website again? Oh, that's uh, melanomawa.org.au. Okay. Yeah, and I've got my campaign, sunbedband.com. Sunbedband.com. Yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. I really do want to throw like goat's blood on those uh, stores, though. Can we do that? Uh, yeah, you can do that. What about kangaroo blood? No, koala blood. Koala blood. Koala yeah. blood. Don't They're endangered, the, aren't they? Don't touch the koala. <laughs> no. don't, don't go there. No. Okay. No more silvial blood. We promise. <laughs> and also, I've just started working actually for Melanoma Institute Australia too. It's awesome. Research, education, and. Um, you know, it's a, it's a great organisation too. So. Awesome. I, I guess we can see the synergies between the United States and and Australia, where there are so many different uh, organisations trying to do the same thing, and right. it really is about trying to work together because we all have the same uh, passions and agendas. And really, you know, while a cure for cancer may not eventuate, we right. do want to make sure that people live well, you know, with melanoma yes. and with cancer as well. Yeah, it's all about quality of life, not quantity. That's right. Exactly. Yeah. Our, our goal is, is to maybe have an international melanoma day. That'd be so, awesome. Yeah, we want to collaborate with. A, we could all go to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> with, um, with, with massive umbrellas. And we could all go un, under a rock somewhere. And we'd all wear fabulous sun hats. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Plenty of sunblock. Alrighty, guys. Thank you so much. What a great show. And now it is time for our closing sequence. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the. Uh, Internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, uh, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. Uh, that was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's tonight's show, our 170th broadcast. We hope you had as much fun as we did poking a stick at stupid cancer. I'd like to thank our guests, Lindsay, Gina, Noreen Frazier, and live in our studio, Jay Allen and Clint Heal from Australia. And on next week's show, we have Crazy Sexy Cancer with our survivor spotlight, Alyssa Savaretti, young adult survivor of breast cancer, 
founder and president of My Hope Chest. And we have Chris Carr, young adult survivor, author and wellness coach, director of Crazy Sexy Cancer, and founder of Crazy Sexy Life. Alrighty, folks, if you missed any of our past shows, subscribe to the iTunes podcast and download them all for free at itunes.stupidcancer.com or check out the archives at stupidcancershow.com. Remember, if it's not stupid, it's not cancer. We'll see you all back here next week, my friends, live from the chemo deck. Aaron Eloise, Captain Stubing, and I wish you all a great week. Go to bed, Emily Hobson. Ribbit.